Top Shelf Fantasy. All right, week one, almost in the books. We're watching uh, Pittsburgh right now and Giants. Benny Snell looking real good in James Conner's absence. Uh, James Conner ended up leaving the game a little bit early. Uh, oh, and Derek Henry walking through the tunnel, so they're getting ready in uh, Tennessee in, in Denver. Um, all right, we're going to go through some news real quick. This is podcast 86, Top Shelf Fantasy. Uh, com. our waiver wire article start sits will be going up we'll make sure that we email those out to all of our listeners uh, so you don't have to look for it and we will send it to you um, top shelf fntsy twitter instagram facebook uh, let's get into some some already wonderful injury news um, as week one wraps up love bell had a hammy uh, appears to be out uh, multiple weeks uh, and just interrupt me whenever you guys would like i'm just going to read through them uh, Marlon Mack placed on the IR, uh, torn Achilles. Njoku placed on the IR, the three-week IR, which is yes. new. So let, let me just ask this question because it, it is new. Uh, does it take up a roster spot for the Browns to do that, or do they free up no, a roster spot by putting spot. So this is going to be an issue because, it, like, Lev Bell could go on the IR. Essentially, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you add an additional roster slot, essentially. I don't, and – this is not your fantasy league IR slot. Like teams can't just abuse it and throw guys on there. They have to have documented entries and yada yada yada. But we can not, abuse it as fantasy players. Yeah, but but a three week IR is like. I mean, you could have the sniffles and be out for three weeks. Yeah, you know that's it, it's it's nothing. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, going to be something we have to pay attention to. It's going to it's going to be a big change for uh, a lot of teams. Yeah, and if you see a guy designated as IR on your on your bench or something, don't be like, oh, we'll drop him. He's on IR. Well, he could be back in three weeks. Yeah. Well, and that's that's going to be a big designation, right? Is get people who aren't in tune, they see that the IR designation drop a guy. Uh, Blake Jarwin was placed on the IR. He's he's going to be out. Yeah. He tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Uh, Devontae Parker already limited. I mean, very early in the week, but we'll monitor that. I mean, he was limping into the game with a hamstring anyway. Fitzmagic, after a bad performance, has already confirmed the starter in week two. So I don't know if that says anything about Tua. Or just the fact that the Patriots are filthy on defense. Yeah, uh, I, I think you can't put that loss on Fitzmagic. It wasn't it wasn't him. Um, right. It was it was the Miami offense in general, but it's also the Patriots defense. And I think a, a, a move to put Tua in after a loss to the Patriots in Week One, where the, which they probably expected, would be reactionary, overreactionary, for sure. Um, Michael Thomas, he's dealing with a high ankle issue. I mean. He didn't have a good week one. I wouldn't panic about it. Miles Sanders still day to day. So I wanted to bring this up because Miles Sanders didn't travel with the team, which to me is huge. Like they weren't even gonna give it a go. Right. Like they were just like, okay, yep, Saturday, he's not he's not good. I think typically I would a million percent agree with you. I think with COVID and the whole charade that goes around with that and that's actually the things that are involved with it why make the guy travel if he's really even a game time decision or, or something like that if if they really know deep down that he's gonna be testing it and pushing it why add the, the covid risk 
Sure. That's actually that's a good point, so maybe not read into that. Boston Scott didn't finish the game. Read into that. That's big. <laughs> I mean, we hopefully Miles Sanders come back, and then it's irrelevant news. Yep. Uh, Duke Johnson considered week-to-week. He did not finish the game, so David Johnson looking good, and we'll monitor Duke as we go in. Justin Jackson left with a quad injury, which probably explains the big uh, Josh Kelly game. Um, Kenny Galladay still nursing the hammy, didn't play Sunday. Cortland Sutton, AC sprain, didn't play. And Debo and Ayuk are both out tonight uh, for Monday Night Football uh, and didn't practice throughout the week. So that's kind of our injury updates that we have. Typically, we're going to use Thursday to dedicate most of the news uh, and fantasy analysis around kind of what that may look like going into week two. Um, But it's very early in the week, and we just did a recap podcast, and we're going to go through and talk about some specific players, some specific storylines that we want to talk about. Um, and our first segment, Confidence Boost, we need a we need a little sound clip for this, I think. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> Start we'll, off we'll on get a positive there. note after we just <clears throat> laid through all the injuries. <laughs> yeah, well, I wanted, I wanted to fly through them because I didn't really want to focus on them because it's so early. Uh, and there's some big names in there. So, yeah, so let's, let's look at some good stuff. David Johnson is my confidence boost. He looked like vintage David Johnson. And he put up the stat line that he did. He looked the way that he did all in one half of football. He did not touch the ball much uh, in the in the second half of the game because the you know Texans had to throw. Um, but he was out there running routes. He was lining up in the slot, and like often he was lining up in the slot. He was lining up outside a lot. So David Johnson was on the field constantly. May not he could have had a bigger stat line. They just didn't end up using him. Uh, that way, but he, he still put up 18 fantasy points and a half point PPR. He looks like vintage David. I mean, the one cut acceleration to the pylon just screamed 2018 or two, uh, 2017 David Johnson all over again. Yeah. And 18 points against the, his ADP or where you likely drafted him is well worth the return on investment. And so my confidence boost is actually a player that's going to be used a lot or seen a lot on the waiver wire as probably a high-profile pickup. Um, and it has there's two reasons why. It's Naeem Hines of the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he is a confidence boost because I feel that he had uh, a little bit of a down year last year uh, where he didn't get involved as much in the passing game as he was in 2018 where he had 80 receptions. And I thought that they would be able to use him a little bit more in a Phillip Rivers-led offense. And I saw that, and we all saw that, with eight receptions on eight targets. Uh, So he actually caught everything that he saw. It was 45 receiving yards and one touchdown on that side of the ball. However, now with the Marlick Mack injury and him already have had seven rushing attempts in this past game, granted a few of them probably did come with that Mack injury, um, and he was off the field, he got a rushing touchdown as well. I don't want to overhype Naeem Hines. I don't want to say that he is uh, go spend all of your fab or 50% or even 25% of your fab on him or um, you know continue to think that he's going to put up something like this cuz two touchdown games are pretty, you know, uncommon um, you know in, in the NFL, but realistically him him being involved in the offense already before Marlon Mack got hurt and now is 
you know, he started off as the main running back. He's now out. It is now a two-headed back with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, and, and they are going to continue to use him that way. I think Jonathan Taylor obviously is going to be the guy on the ground, but Naeem Hines is going to be used as what Phillip Rivers likes to do and pass to his running backs. And I think that that's going to be a solid fantasy play going forward for the entire year. I thought Naeem Hines might be a hit or miss or a, a shot, shot in the dark throw one, one day, but I think now Naeem Hines is a flex play going forward. And so that's a, that's a big boost for me. Yeah, my confidence boost is uh, Cam Newton from the New England Patriots as their quarterback. He's one of probably the biggest wait-and-see guys for for me and for a lot of fantasy players, um, probably going undrafted in a, in a lot of areas. But he came out, had a decent game passing the ball, but added a lot of uh, a lot of points and a lot of yardage on the ground, which was really what we wanted to see if he could still do, if he could stay healthy while doing it, and if he can continue to do it going forward. He's going to be a viable, or hopefully a viable, uh, fantasy quarterback um, and that leads us into probably one of our favorite segments here at Top Shelf Fantasy. To, to believe, believe or not, not to believe. believe. Corey did not want to say that by himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking around the room like, somebody say it with me. me favorite segment, let me look at them too. <laughs> well, uh, I don't like this. I don't like to get my voice sounding all high pitchy. <laughs> but uh, so first question right off the rip. Cam Newton, is he a QB1? Do you believe or not believe that he is a QB1? Now or in the future? I want to believe it. <laughs> well, he finished a QB1 this week as QB6. So, in short, yes. However, going forward, if the situation continues to play out in New England as it did this past week, granted they played Miami, but they used him on the ground like vintage Cam Newton did with the Panthers when he was fully healthy... If he's on the ground getting 75 rushing attempts, I mean, <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, well, if that's the case, 75 rushing yards, then he's going to be a QB1. That's 7.5 points right there, and anything that he adds in the, in the air is going to be, you know, uh, adding him into that 20-point mark almost every and week in and week out. The one important distinction that you can make with the Patriots and the Panthers and with their usage of him was the Patriots used him intelligently and didn't abuse him those 15 carries were not necessarily hard fought every single time running through the tackles a lot of them were sweeps outside you see uh, you saw a qb power on the goal line where they had four receivers on the left and then on the right you had ryan Izzo coming in to crack the uh the defensive end on that side while your right tackle shifted outside and picked up the one linebacker and cam walked into the end zone untouched if you can draw stuff up for him where he's gaining yardage and not getting abused. Now, of course, there were times where he's like, screw it, I'm going up the middle. You know, I'm going to do it. But you know what I love seeing? Him jump up and smile and celebrate that third down conversion and say, listen, I'm back, baby. Dab. It's Cam Newton. Dab on him. Superman is here. Now, do I believe that the Miami Dolphins are a fantastic defense? No, of course I don't. I'm not stupid. But if you were going to have a genius mind like Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick crafting plays for Cam Newton and they can sprinkle in some runs, 100% he can be a, a quarterback one in fantasy football. Is he going to be a league-leading passer? Probably not. Yeah. But can he be a fantasy football league-leading quarterback? 100% he can. Yeah, and that's the game we play, right, is fantasy football. Um, I think for me, and we, we kind of talked about this, and, and I mean, I, I know all three of us want to talk about Cam Newton. Uh, it's the options, like you said. I mean, they are giving Cam the best possible uh, position to succeed. Now, running aside, they only threw the ball 19 times, but there was only four incompletions. So to me, that says the Patriots are figuring out a way to win 
and it's going through Cam Newton. One drop by Edelman, two bad at the line, and I don't remember the fourth one. Nikhil. Yeah, Nikhil. There we go. But he was efficient, he was effective, and you saw the offense ran through Cam Newton. When a Patriots offense with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick runs through the quarterback, you see what happens. I mean, I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but I'm saying he's going to be successful. I think he's a QB1 more often than not. And we hinted at it, um, I mentioned in the last podcast, that, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett, the time that he had played, you know, that style of quarterback, um, you know, he was a rookie that year, but they they were able to scheme things around that type of player. Um, And that's what Cam Newton is times 10. Like, he's he's obviously going to be way better than Jacoby Brissett in that game that they played against Houston, but there is times that you're going to see, you know, Cam Newton make great plays, and he's going to make you know, great runs. Like it's just, it's, it's going to be an overall package. And, and realistically to answer, do I believe that he's a QB one? I think he does finish as a top 12 quarterback in the league. If he stays healthy the entire season, I don't, I don't see why not. Yeah. And the, the one other thing too, I'll mention is they have the running back talent on that team to do what the Ravens have done with Lamar Jackson to great success. You can run those pistol packages, those wishbone packages and trot out James White, Sony, Michelle, JJ Taylor, Rex Burkhead, uh, whoever else might be healthy at the time, alongside Cam Newton, where you have a million options for Cam to keep, dish, pass, whatever he wants to do. And that's a dangerous offense that I don't really want to be part of defending. So, yeah, I believe Cam Newton can be a QB1 and will be a top-12 quarterback at the end of the season. To believe or not, not to, to believe, believe. Peyton Baba. Peyton. See, I, I don't believe this. Well, is he? I don't believe RB1? he. Do you believe Peyton Rock Barber is a Washington RB one? No, no. Do you think that they're going to go ahead with a three headed committee? No, I don't. No, Tom, what <laughs> no. Do you I, I, I. So I don't. I don't think so. I think it's going to look like this. But I think I. I really do believe in the talent of Antonio Gibson. Um, I think his ADP went absolutely berserk after they cut Adrian Peterson. Um, and I would not have suggested to start drafting him in the seventh, eighth round. Um, but I think I've seen him in the fourth. It was ridiculous. I do think he's the most talented running back on that team. That team needs an offensive spark. We've are, I've already said it that I think Dwayne Haskins is absolute dog shit. Um, I don't believe that Peyton Barber is ever going to be an RB1 in the NFL. He led the team in carries. I get that. But it was Gibson who led them in yards. And Gibson's the more talented running back. I will bet on talent. Um, now, is the question, is Washington going to produce a fantasy-relevant running back? That's a completely different I mean, discussion. we've been asking that for like six, seven years now, yeah. haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Darius, uh, what's... Uh, but Adrian, but uh, when you go back... Uh, when you go back and you look at the stat line and you say Peyton Barber had 1.7 yards per carry, that says to me off the bat that he is not your lead back material. He's not the only place yeah. that he might be RB one is on your depth chart, and that's irrelevant as we've seen. So Antonio Gibson, I think, should be the guy. He looked like he should be the guy based on the stats, even though they're they're still not you know knocking me over. Fantastic. JD McKissick would be the third guy to you know create that three headed backfield committee, and he sucked. He had negative yards on the day, so he did have five targets, which is uh, that's, what you, that's, that's what you expect thing, from him. Right? You, like you catch the ball. They, you, they yes. played two guys sure. that were bad. Yep, yep. Very and, poorly efficient, and then the the one guy that they gave the ball less to. And then you look at it and you go, Adrian Peterson just killed it in Detroit. Great job, Redskins. <laughs> Again, smooth. You stupid, dumb Dan Snyder led fools. 
Um, all right. To believe or, or not, not to, to believe. believe. Josh Kelly, Zach Moss, flex plays. Who do you feel more confident in? Zach Moss, I'm putting in my flex next week. I totally agree. I think Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, I want to monitor Justin Jackson. But I want to pick him up. But I'll pick him up. But he's yeah. not a flex play for me. He's he's a he's a wait and see. I know he had a good game. He's a wait and see for me. Yeah, I think he can I think he's gonna have a wide range of outputs week to week. I think Zach Moss is looking at a real close to fifty fifty split with Singletary, which means to me that he's got he's gonna get run, which means he's gonna get points. Mm-hmm. I mean he looked effective. He I'd love to see him get a little bit more efficiency in the running game. Nine carries for eleven yards. Ain't gonna cut it for long. But he looked good doing it. I mean, it's hard to be. It's hard to look good on nine for eleven, but he looked good. Yeah, uh, Singletary owners hate this that we're talking about it, but I gotta tell you, the the, sh- the ship may have been sailed. I mean, I, not that Zach Moss really took over and is, uh, you know, going to be the number one back going forward, but you have a back that is going to be utilized fifty fifty. It is by definition going to be a uh, you know a running back back committee here and and at least from what we've seen in, in college from both players they're they're both decent and you know it's really going to be who's going to win it at the end of the year well I, you I, said that like the ship has sailed i think you're right in the sense that the ship has sailed for singletary to assert himself as, as the, the lead as the guy lead back. As, that's yep. that's yeah. gone yeah and I, that's if a, he came out and dominated week one he could have had that job and zach moss would be an afterthought he didn't do it Right, and That's I was going to say, you are looking right now at two very comparable running backs who can sub in and sub out for each other. I mean, Singletary is supposed to be the pass-catching back. Yeah, It was Zach Moss that caught the touchdown. Yep. Right, and and to answer Josh Kelly's, I don't think so. I don't think he's a flex play, but moving forward, I don't even know if I'm going to put in a waiver claim for him because the whole lingering thing with Justin Jackson, he was hurt, and that's why Kelly had you know, performed a little bit better. But, I mean, there were rumors leading up to it that Kelly was going to be better than Jackson You know, to start. Um, so, so we'll see what happens there. They do typically like to have a guy that can go, you know, on the inside to spell their lead running back. Obviously it was Gordon last year, this year it's Eckler. So we'll see what, what ends up happening. Um, but I, I would wait and see on, on Kelly. So neither, I, I shouldn't say neither of these guys being flex plays moving forward, but I think that somewhere down the line, both of these guys are going to make it into flex rosters and, and, Really, here's the thing. We we talked about Devin Singletary not being able to shut up Zach Moss. Justin Jackson couldn't shut up Josh Kelly. Ends up off the field. And now you have Josh Kelly with a pretty strong performance. And it's, okay, Justin Jackson, you have to get healthy on the field and be better than what Josh Kelly... Right. Josh Kelly comes out in week two and does something very similar. You're sitting here saying... Why Why is Austin Eckler getting 19 carries when you get a guy who's averaging five yards a carry? Yeah, I would which say, I actually don't know if that's his yards per carry. I'm going to go look it up right now. And I would say, say it, that you're right. If Justin Jackson misses this game and Kelly performs like this again, Justin Jackson is going to get the Jamal Williams treatment, what happened a couple of years ago. He's just not going... He's just not going to be as involved, or he's going to have to surplant a RB two, and he's never going to get to the Austin Eckler level. And if this team historically, you know, holds those two running backs, I think that Josh Kelly can be uh, utilized in going forward. And if the the question was Kelly or Justin Jackson, I'm I'm gonna take Kelly, and especially if he does it again in you know a follow up performance. And Craig, you mentioned briefly you were not sure if you would put in a waiver claim on Josh Kelly. I know you will if you have any of the injuries that, you know, are, are sure. facing. Okay. Of course. Okay. You, you'll and, make a run at it. And, again, he's one of those guys that I'll throw a buck at if nobody else bids on him. You know, I'll take yeah, him for was... a buck or two based on priority. 
you know? Yeah, learn 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 from this. There's some <laughs> throw, <laughs> throw a buck out there. That, that means they, that means Corey's gonna spend fifty one dollars. Yeah, or whatever it was. But no, like he's he's one of those guys that if you can add him to your roster and not drop somebody massive, you know, somebody that maybe had a bum week you don't want to hold on to anymore. Maybe somebody that you're rostering because you were pending a Cortland Sutton injury and you know, whoever you're gonna play this week was just a replacement. He's not a bad guy to throw a buck or two at. I mean, I'm not breaking the bank on him, but he's somebody to think about having on your roster to see what happens Absolutely. in the future. Absolutely. If you had Justin Jackson, would you drop him for Josh Kelly? Thousand percent. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, there is opportunity. It speaks, and you don't have an opportunity if you're hurt. Like, and it sucks for jo- Justin Jackson, but Josh Kelly is just blowed out is. of the water, and it's like you got to be better than that now. Uh, to believe or not to believe that Naheem Hines. Is the indie running back to own? I'll I, answer this because I think you should be owning both. Well, yeah, I was going to say he's backs. not the right. yes. running back to own. He he's a, a running back to own. Right. Okay. You should have both. But he is to own. But if you had to pick both, I would pick Jonathan Taylor. Like if, if for some reason they're both sitting out there right. and you already spent all of your fab budget for some reason, you got to go Jonathan Taylor. That's <laughs> a, you know, if you got to put a bid for zero on both of them, you got to hope that you if, get one. If Jonathan Taylor is out there, oh boy, yeah, yeah. that's a so that's that, a big swing and miss on the uh, drafting part we'll, there. We'll put it out here now. He's not going to be in our waiver article. But if Jonathan Taylor's out there, <laughs> I would say like yeah, fifty percent of your budget. <laughs> yes, uh, or all of the, like just yeah, blow the load. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Naheem but, Hines is likely a guy who is out there, and right. we are we do have we are already talking about you know formulating how much we're going to spend on him. He should be rostered. He should be owned. Do you play Hines? Yes. Week in and week out. Yes. I've and I've, I agree. I've I've had that con- that where we had gone through that segment in the confidence boost. That's that's how I feel going forward. It was a little bit of a question like you know like I said down year last year what would he actually produce with Philip Rivers and it was just it showed and he's going to obviously be the spell guy I think for for Jonathan Taylor in a sense on the ground so you know, unless they bring in another running back, which I know that they're talking about doing, but that guy's not going to pass what they've already worked on with Hines, and, and Taylor is going to be a pretty beastly running back in this league. Yeah, I would I would definitely start Hines as a flex play, at least. I might even start him in an RB2 on a, on a bye week or something, you know, down the line, but absolutely. Uh, 17 targets to the running back position from Phillip Rivers. Last time Hines had a quarterback who liked to throw to the uh, running back position. Rest in peace, end your luck in your NFL career. <laughs> RIP in peace. 80 targets for 60 catches. This dude can catch the ball. Oh, yeah. Um, so, absolutely. Um, we got one more to believe. Not oh, to believe. Not to believe. This is probably one of the biggest question marks coming out of week one because I feel like everybody sits back and goes, what the hell just happened? Baltimore backfield. J.K. Dobbins scores two TDs. The snap percentage? Unbelievable. J.K. Dobbins out-snapping Mark Ingram, 23-21. to 21. Gus Edwards had 15 snaps, which I think most of us could have anticipated Gus being on the lower end of that. But I, I never saw I never saw Mark Ingram in week one having less snaps than no. J.K. Dobbins. No. I never saw in week one J.K. Dobbins getting run on the goal line over Mark Ingram. Nope. There are a lot of things that happened in this game that I did not see coming. Them stomping the Browns, we all saw that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that was that was a given. Mark Andrews getting touchdowns, yep. Hollywood getting a hundred yards. Craig, who are you take? Like, if you had to choose between J.K. and Mark Ingram, who are you choosing? Going this forward? is a terrible pick, question. Pick to ask. a guy. I'm asking you because you have Mark Ingram in in the dynasty league. I have Mark Ingram in a lot of leagues. Yeah, 
because we I were think all very high be, on Mark. He's Ingram. still going to be involved, right? And and realistically, if you look at and add up all these these plays here, it, it's not a fantastic number, um, you know, for for an offense. Or actually, I'm sorry, it's like fifty something uh, offensive snaps. I don't know how I feel. I feel very nervous. I don't I don't like that I see two points for Mark Ingram and twenty for J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I don't know. I don't want. And these are that. these are percentages. 23%, 21%, 15%. No, that is actual snaps. That's what I said. They're actual snaps. These are <laughs> not percentages. 23 snaps for JK, 21 for Mark Ingram. I thought somebody might have forgotten to put a percentage there. Right, and you, and you look at it, though, and you go, okay, no, Mark they, Ingram they had, had 21 touchdowns last year, and now J.K. Dobbins just had two touchdowns in week one. Is J.K. Dobbins the guy? Is this so the guy? In, is that in, what they're going to do? In, and so in, if, you're a, if you're a J.K. owner, would you sell him? Like so, we're gonna be talking about no. buy low, sell high. No, no, that's the guy you don't sell. No, right, right. And you and can't I, and I, sell. And Mark I just Ingram. want, I want. You can't sell and Mark. You don't sell J.K. And, and you can't buy. You could probably buy Mark Ingram, but do you want him? I don't know. <laughs> well, I and, really and, and don't what I'm, know. What I'm shocked about this though is in a game where they had 38 points and a, a lead the entire time, is that you don't have one guy in in the 15 to 20 carry range. You know what I mean? Like, I know they spread it around and whatnot, but like, just, you just pound the ball the whole game. And like, I don't know what's going on. Nobody had any yards. And I, I, maybe I want to say, listen, nobody really gave too much of a shit and they didn't really even care because they were just killing them and they were killing them from early on. So maybe they just thought it was, it was, you know, a rest week out there, but this game is not indicative of a team that of the Ravens that we know. I mean, 30 yards for Mark Ingram, 20 yards for J.K. Dobbins, 15 yards for Gus Edwards. That's There's not a Raven running back stat line in there. I don't see a guy with 100 yards, do you? No. You know, Even, and, even and, Lamar Jackson, 7 for 45 is low for what we've become accustomed to. Right. Especially in a, in a dominating win. You go, okay, well, they're going to they're gonna pass the ball this year? That's going to be the thing? They're going to flip the script? They did do it in week one last year. Yeah, oh, I mean, they like, smoked Miami, Miami, right? Because yeah, Marquise Brown was healthy week one last year. Um, <laughs> Okay, so but, this, but this to, backfield's a disaster. Right, but, yeah, to, but to believe or not to believe, do we believe that the Baltimore backfield is going to continue this 50-50 split between – and it's not 50-50 because it's really 40-40 because they're getting Gus Edwards in there. Just get him out of there, please. Um, but, yes, I believe now it is not just Mark Ingram and J.K. is going to spell. It's going to be the two of them. And, you know, a little bit of Gus Edwards, but the two of them are going to be kind of a thorn in each other's side going forward. I think you're going to see a lot of what we saw in the Saints with Ingram and Kamara with Dobbins and Ingram. Oh, good Lord. Which is just a, which but, is a nightmare. But there were times that both of them were top there 10 were. running backs. So yes. let's hope that that goes. It's just a terrible choice to have to make every week. Do I play this guy? It's a good matchup. Well, I don't know. Apparently when they win by 32 points, they're not going to run the ball at all. So... What the hell do I do? All right. We're going to buy low, sell high right now. I suppose I should start. Yeah. Why don't you? So my buy low is Jonathan Taylor. I think everybody should be approaching the Jonathan Taylor owner and trying to purchase Jonathan Taylor. It's going to take a little coercing, I think. Um, But the way I'm looking at this is that the Jonathan Taylor owner may see the Naheem Hines stat line and say, Oh boy, I'm not. I I chose the wrong guy. And then see Jonathan Taylor's nine rushing attempts for 22 yards ago. This isn't good. 
Um, and certainly try and sell it that way because I think Jonathan Taylor at the end of the year is going to be the back that you want to own in Indy. He's going to be the more reliable starter than Naheem Hines. I think both are startable. But again, I think this is one week where you can absolutely pitch. Jonathan Taylor didn't look good on the ground. Uh, and Naheem Hines looked great. I want Jonathan Taylor. It's always a very hard conversation to be had because then the guy you're, you're talking to goes, well, why do you want him so bad if you're pitching dude, me crappy, dude, this crappy guy, points? This guy sucks, but I'd love to take him off your roster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Fine. Let me be your dumping ground, Let's, please. You got to start um, the conversation finding who he likes on your team that you're okay with giving up because I think no matter what, Jonathan Taylor, outside of your top two picks, really, or maybe even your third, that that's probably where you're going in your, in your top – 40 you know players in that pool is where you're gonna have you may have to give up for jonathan taylor but i think it's going to be worth it in the end it's very hard to do that and i'm going to just preface this as we move forward it's very very hard to do this in week one it's like we were sitting here going okay who's the buy low who's the sell high i love all my teams in every league i drafted in i am in no way shape or form thinking about selling any players on my team right and you are selling more we're to trying the, to or, buy yeah, anybody. you're trying to buy or sell the owner in this league do you have a person in your league that is particularly reactionary do they happen to own a player that you might be able to buy low fantastic right. somebody who goes oh my god week one the world is falling down my walls are caving in of course we all have those guys in our league target them prey right. on them and you have a good one Yes, I went with a little bit different direction um, as far as, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Has <laughs> not a, a running back. That's, well, that's right. Weird. First of all, not a running back. Second of all, not a guy who is looking at a, a role potentially coming his way, even though he had a bad performance. You know, a role is kind of opening up. I went with a guy who probably has to battle some time or, you know, battle with some guys to get some time. But Christian Kirk is my buy low this week. He ended week one with one catch on five targets for zero total yards. But... He was mixed into the game plan and just missed connecting with Murray for really a lot bigger day. He ran short routes, intermediate routes, but he also ran a couple of deep routes that they just didn't connect on. He was on the field for 76% of the offensive snaps. That's a good amount of utilization in an offense that has the ability to be prolific. I think the Cardinals went out and said, let's show off our shiny new toy and DeAndre Hopkins and give him 14 catches. That's not going to happen every week. Somebody else is going to have to catch the ball. Larry Fitz only had four catches. So for me... I'm looking at Christian Kirk, and I'm saying, I don't want Larry Fitz anyways. I want Christian Kirk. I think he's someone you could get for next to nothing right now off the day he just had. And he still has wide receiver two upside, more likely wide receiver three or flex, but he could get to that territory. Like Hopkins, also I want to mention this, Hopkins had a 40% target share this week. That's not sustainable. He's not going to be there every week. And if he does happen to have 40% target share on the off chance that that ungodly number continues then teams are going to notice that in the NFL and double team him, triple team him, give him safety help. And Kirk should be wide the fuck open to get open for long touchdowns with his amazing get like breakaway speed. So Kirk by low, you could get him for geez, nothing. Josh Kelly. Yeah. Zach you could, Moss. Yeah. You, you might be able to pick a guy up waivers and trade him for Christian Kirk. <laughs> hey, who do you like? I'll pick him up and then <laughs> trade him to you, you for Kirk. You theoretically could just wait for waivers to run and just pick him up. Yeah, quite honestly, he, yeah, he he, somebody could have dropped him. He's, oh. he's actually only 68% owned in league, so you could pick him up. Very, very good point. This is mid-podcast. We're going to make sure to put this in the email that goes out. Pay attention to who gets dropped right. on Tuesday. Craig? My, who are you buying low? My buy low is uh, a little bit of a hyped player going into the last couple of weeks of preseason, but it's James Robinson. And the reason why he's still low, in my opinion, is because he plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars and he didn't get double-digit fantasy points. 
what he proved to me was 16 rushing attempts is going to be the running back to own. Ozigbo's out for a little while. Armstead's going to be out for a little while. At this time right now, it's still a little bit uncertain of his what his future is going to be because you know it could change by week six. But right now, James Robinson had the work on a team that we all thought was tanking for Trevor and somehow beat the Indianapolis Colts. So realistically, James Robinson is someone that I can rely on. I know I now have the the uh, stamp of approval that I can rely on the actual opportunity. Um, decent back, you know he he could have uh, you know more talent could could showcase a little bit more, but he didn't do anything nuts where people are like, oh, all right, well I have to go get this guy, and now everyone's riding high on him. He did just enough for me to to see that he is proven that he's going to be worked in. And you can absolutely still go out and get him. And and the guy that uh, has him on his team right now is you know picked him up off the waivers, so he doesn't really care what he gets in return if it's a decent football player because he's gonna think he got a steal. But I really think James Robinson going forward, if you get a, if you got a touchdown, we're talking about a high end RB two. Yeah. And 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 if that you know that's that's what happened with Todd Gurley, he almost exactly the same stat line of sixty yards, and Gurley had the touchdown instead. He didn't. And this is where we are. So that's why I'm buying low on him. So in my cell, actually, is the same exact thing, right? Because you take the touchdown away, and there's a potential we could be talking about a buy low. Probably not. I mean, this is a guy that that is either likely on your waivers or he was drafted very late. But it's because of the touchdown that makes him relevant in a cell. Because uh, my cell is, is MVS, Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantling. And he's a sell of mine because I think he did just enough that the owner or, or, or that teams in the league are going to see MVS and say, he's the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers. I want the wide receiver two for the Green Bay Packers. Well, they may not look at Lazard's <laughs> stat line, who had more targets, and pretty much the same exact thing. MVS, if you can sell him off and you can trade him to an owner for a guy like James Robinson who I would project to be the starting running back, and like you said, 16 carries, opportunity knocks there, I would absolutely 100% do that. I think it's probably going to take more than MVS to get a guy like James Robinson, but if you can find that guy in your league and you own MVS, you drafted him late, you took a shot on him, sell him down because I don't think you're getting a better week than than this. I think it's all downhill from here. I could not agree more. We talked about it in the last podcast that if th- this is pretty much the ceiling for him. Yeah. Pretty, and he already hit it in week one. And week one is very reactionary around fantasy football. People take what happens in the first couple of weeks and say, this is happening all season. Yep. So this guy is going to be great all year. Right. And and it, it can happen. Like and not that. to mention, Devontae Adams got like 17 targets. So it's like <laughs> Devontae Adams is still there. He's really the wide receiver too. Corey? Yeah. Um, I went with the same logic that you went with. Big week one, but I'm trying to sell him off that because I don't know that it's going to continue and maybe somebody will take him for me. Malcolm Brown, 18 rushes, 79 yards, two touchdowns. I think that is his absolute ceiling, and I'm looking to sell him way above market value right now. I'm not saying go out and get pennies for him. If you're going to sell him, you should try to get a good return because you could probably be looking at a wide receiver two in return for him right now. You say, look, dude, Cam Akers sucked. He's a bum. Uh, Who else? Daryl Henderson didn't do shit. I'm going to take Malcolm Brown, and I'm going to trade you my wide receiver two for him. And Malcolm Brown, you might might be on waivers in your league right now. If you have a deeper league, you probably got drafted 
dead last couple, you know, last couple of rounds. I just don't see him continuing to have this kind of production. And with the Rams continuing to feed Cam Akers despite his ineffectiveness, Malcolm Brown, his days might be numbered even if he continues to be this good. So I'm selling him off just based on a big week one. I mean, that's what you got to do. You can't can't hold these guys and say he's going to do it every week if you don't have actual faith he's going to do it. Sell him for a guy that you can get more consistent contributions from. And this is this is where you get greedy. Like this is this is where you get greedy in fantasy, in my opinion, because you have a guy like Malcolm Brown on a team that essentially has nobody competing with him. So you're gonna have teams coming in asking for Malcolm Brown, or you're shopping Malcolm Brown, and they go, uh, you know, I want to give you MVS. It's like, no, 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 dude. I'll take your Jonathan Taylor and your James Robinson. I'll give you Malcolm Brown, and we'll call it a day. How you doing? I mean, that's I don't think that's realistically going to happen, but this is where you can cash in Malcolm Brown for a better yeah, player. You, you can right? get that upgrade. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. And you, I mean, you should be with a guy like Malcolm Brown who just had a big week one. You get a trade offer, you should be telling the guy, oh, like, listen, man, I got like four guys hitting me up for J- uh, Malcolm Brown this week. Like, you got to come with a better offer than that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly, because that is going to be someone I know teams are going to target, and I know there are players out there that do have that overreaction. Um, you know, again, we talked about two touchdowns is just mm-hmm. rare. Yep. You know? and especially with the injuries that are already happening at this position, people could be out players. Right. People, go to the Fournette owner and say, listen, dude, he got five carries or five yards, and he might be second fiddle to Ronald Jones. You want to make something happen? I'll take Fournette and a wide receiver piece for Malcolm Brown right now. I'm cool with that. Sure. And that leads. I would me... take Fournette and MVS for Malcolm Brown, <laughs> <laughs> and that leads me right into my sell high, which is Ronald Jones. <laughs> there you go. Because Leonard Fournette is breathing right behind his neck, dude. I'm I'm not going to stress this enough. Ronald Jones truthers are the hardest people to talk to. The only people that have Ronald Jones on their team is Ronald Jones truthers, and and you need to understand. They go through roller coasters just like anyone else that you like. However, these people are just hard on their their stance. But if you got him and there's a Ronald Jones truther out there in your league, you will be able to sell this guy to them so fast because he had 17 rushing attempts and two receptions, which is very high volume for a guy that just had a top five picked running back in an NFL draft that was just added to their team. It was literally a week before the season started that he was there. And they're going to get Fournette involved. It's going to happen. And I think this is the only time, this is the last chance that you can get rid of Ronald Jones because there's going to be a time where even if it starts off as a 50-50 next week or a 50-50 in week three, Fournette will take that work and he will not give it back to Ronald Jones at any point. Uh, It's... The, the stats on Ronald Jones and his career is is staggering, and and you need to just understand that it, it's it's time. Just 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 move this, on. This could be a career day for Ronald Jones. Honestly, it literally, right. it literally. And, and week two could be Leonard Fournette comes out with 15 carries, and Ronald Jones has eight, and you're like, oh my god, I missed my window. Your window is your window is, is now. open, very very little right now. Yep. And then again, it's just enough to show people that Ronald Jones can be taken. Like, I'm not speaking to the truth, or the truth is never going to get rid of him. But you can sell it to that guy. If you have Ronald Jones on your team, 
Like, if you just manage to go, oh, well, I need a running back. It's the ninth round. I'll take Ronald Jones. This is the time to get rid of him. I have such little faith in Ronald Jones that I would trade him for Christian Kirk straight up. Yes. If I could return yeah. Christian Kirk to my, my team. I like Christian I Kirk. I'm also, I, mean, I, like I am a Christian yeah. Kirk truther, so sure. <laughs> there's that going on as well. I think, honestly, the Ronald Jones for James Robinson trade is so realistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and people might have you like scratching their heads, like, why are you offering me this? this yeah, why are you start, Why are you giving me but a starting running back for Tampa some, Bay? Th- sometimes don't answer that question because just he's not going happy. to be the starting running back soon because Leonard Fournette is going to be the starting running back soon. Yeah. All right. Do we want to talk about busts? Yeah, quit our, playing games with our, my heart. Or, no, our, sorry. Stop playing with emotions. My, stop playing with my emotions. Our I emotions have been hurt. I immediately went Backstreet Boys for some reason. I don't know. Well, that's, that's exactly where he goes with the headband in his hair. <laughs> you um, wear a headband one time. <laughs> I don't want to do my hair. Um, yeah, Tom, take it away. Um, this, this isn't so much Lev. Um, this is. This is. This is. This is. I don't I don't know where to if you've listened to the podcast, you know I hate Adam Gase. You know that I love Lev Bell. And just like my nightmare has been infused with each other. And here's here's why I'm I'm bullshit. Lev Bell gets hurt in practice. He's off to the sidelines. Ports come out that he's got a hamstring injury. Lev Bell comes out and says, I don't have a hamstring injury. Then they go into week one. They barely give him the ball. He looks like crap. Gase obviously doesn't care to get Lev the ball or to have him succeed at all. Pulls him out of the game. Comes out, says in his press conference that he wishes he pulled Lev out of the game earlier because of Lev's hamstring injury that Lev says is non-existent. Somebody's lying, and I don't appreciate it. I don't (laughs) like it. I I am a third party looking in. And I want to punch both of them in the face. I, I am on the side of Lev Bell. All Lev Bell has ever wanted to do is to play football. I don't think that Lev Bell is going to say that he doesn't have a hamstring injury. What I do think is the coach who has been trying to get rid of Lev Bell since he became the Jets head coach and got the GM fired who brought Lev Bell in is to get Lev Bell off of the field. I think this is the perfect opportunity to go and put Lev Bell on the three-week IR and it's the perfect opportunity for the Jets owner to fire Adam Gase. Well, and they have, the Jets, a history of doing this with their players and having medical discrepancies oh, left yeah. and right. Remember I talked about they last had year? A, they Cole- had an offensive... Uh, Kaleche Osemele last year said, listen, I have a torn labrum in my shoulder, and I would like to have season-ending surgery. They said, no, no, we had you evaluated. Our doctor said that you're fine and you can play. He said, fuck you, I'm going to have the surgery. And they fined him. So there is... A documented history of them disagreeing with their players about their medical diagnoses on one one side or the other. If Lev says his hamstrings are fine, I'm sure his hamstrings are fine. If Adam Gay says your hamstrings aren't fine, he can put you on IR. He's going to do that because he doesn't like you for some reason, it, right? And he does this with rookies. Adam Adam Gase does this with all of his rookies at all times. It, it's historic, and you see it with Devonte Parker is pr- prime number one candidate. Is that he will not play a rookie and he's already come out and said that Denzel Mims somehow miraculously has two hamstring injuries. You only have two. <laughs> and you only get two of them, Adam. And it's just he like, actually has a third hamstring injury now. It's just this is what Adam Gase does. He's a shitty coach. He thinks he's like a high school 
football coach and he's sitting freshman because he doesn't play freshman. They, You're a damn NFL caliber wide receiver, running back, whatever. <laughs> You're in the NFL. You're getting paid to play. I don't care what age you are. Get out and play. He's such a, such an idiot. I, I just the hate from Tom is rubbing rubbing off on me. The fact that we can it's this noticeable and like again, actions speak louder than words. Everything of Adam Gase and Lev Bell's arranged marriage has been incredibly negative. Yep. Oh, and by the way, they traded for Kalen Balaj. Like this moron. Okay, Craig, Corey, somebody, somebody, somebody. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going and keep cussing. So somebody right, talk. I'll, I'll I'll jump in. <laughs> somebody right, take, yeah. somebody take, take something. Mine is the the to believe or not to believe question that I cannot answer, and that is Mark Ingram. <laughs> I am extremely heartbroken that I have seen J.K. Dobbins, which obviously was was something that was shoved in my face. It was like it was like your girlfriend has a guy friend, right? And you know that you know they shouldn't hang out because you got that in the back of your head, but you're like, well, I don't want to piss her off. <laughs> Well, this is what's happening with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins has been there. I know he's there. But I didn't want to believe it. And here we are. What a friggin' metaphor. <laughs> here we are. Mark Ingram just got friend-zoned. Greg Roman just friend-zoned Mark Ingram. Greg can't talk. And this is why I can't. He's he's playing with my emotions. Mark Ingram is a better running back than having to be in a 50-50 split. He's he's been this has happened to him his whole life. He can't get away it's, from it. It's Peyton all over again with Kamara. I feel so bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's where I'm at. He's a boss. He had two freaking points. Yeah, and I, I think split. I think a lot of people expected Ingram to come up big and uh yeah. He did not. All right. So stop playing with my emotions for me personally. Nick Chubb. I only drafted him in one league, so it could be worse. But he came out 10 rushes, 60 yards, one catch, one target, six yards, and he lost a fumble. He has struggled with fumbles for his entire career. And honestly, he, he lost a lot of touches to him last year when he kept fumbling and Kareem Hunt came back. And they said, all right, well, we'll, we'll run Hunt. We don't need you to fumble the ball left and right. Hunt's got one fumble his career. Now, Hunt comes in, 13 rushes, 72 yards, 6 targets, 4 catches, 9 yards. Are either of these stat lines, like, knocking you over with how good they are? No, of course not. But what's important is that Hunt got paid last week. Then he went out and out-touched Nick Chubb on the run, in the running game and then in the passing game. Which means, what the hell is going on? Nick Chubb's supposed to be this top, you know, in the conversation, what, for the top 6, 7 running backs in the league? He's going with an ADP, you know, first round, second round if he drops a bit. This is shaping up to be horrible for Nick Chubb owners. If this ends up being a true split, it's the same thing that we talked about with Singletary and uh, and Zach Moss. If that's how it's going to work with Kareem Hunt, who's quite honestly much, much better than the, the talent discrepancy between Singletary and, and, and Zach Moss, the talent discrepancy between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is negligible. They're the same guy. They're, they're, both, they're both fantastic running backs. So I'm, I'm worried. If I'm a Chubb owner, I'm very, very worried that this is – very, I don't know, a very bad warning it, sign of a very bad harbinger of future things to come. The only silver lining that you're looking at with here is that they got smoked in this game. Like, they were not like, hey, let's run the ball 40, 50 times. They said, but they gave the ball to Hunt 12. They gave the ball to Hunt more than yeah, they gave it to Chubb. Exactly. No matter how you, di- how you, how you dice it, like, Chubb Hunt touched, touched the ball more in the running and the passing game. Yep. So, 
there's no good spin I can put on it other than, you know, well, maybe if they had 20 more carries, Chubb would have got more of them. What logic am I using to come up with that point? None. I'm right. just guessing. Yeah, you're just I'm guessing. I'm hoping. And, and let's, let's put it on the heels of an extension yeah. for Kareem Hunt. So they extend Kareem Hunt, and then they go and give him the ball more than they gave it to Nick Chubb. I believe it was the geniuses over at ACDC that once said, uh, listen to the money talk. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the money, like, <laughs> yeah. I, but but seriously, and we got into an argument with a couple of a couple of our buddies, and it's it's exactly that. And I don't want to see Nick Chubb do bad. Well, I'd also like to see one running back come out of come out of Cleveland. Right. We're fantasy football owners. We want one. We just don't like. One. I don't like two. I like one. <laughs> yeah, I just it's. And you, I got no idea. I can't tell you what's going to happen next week. I mean, unless you're Greg Roman, then you can sleep with both of your. You know, backs. you know the, the the metaphor I made is very similar with the Chubb and Hunt thing too. Hunt's always been there. Oh yeah. It's, if I'm Nick Chubb, as soon as they brought Kareem Hunt in, I was like, "There's something about this guy I don't like." <laughs> Chiefs talking to my coach behind my back. Um. All right. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. No, no, I think we hit it. I'm so nervous about these three guys. I don't like it. Yeah. No. Definitely. Uh, all right, Top Shelf Fantasy Podcast 86. We're closing in on 100, like, quick. Yeah, we're we're going to be there We're gonna be there before you know it, yeah. Week four, maybe. We got a power hour, like a hard power hour I think we up. talked about doing a 100-minute power hour, so it's an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, going to have to call out of work. On... Corey's headband will be falling <laughs> off his head. It's going to be great. All right, Top Shelf Fantasy. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Top Shelf Evan, TSY, TopShelfFantasy.com. Look up for the waiver article. Starts and sits coming up. I don't know. You get a bunch of other stuff. Top Shelf. How you doing? Goodbye. Top Shelf Fantasy. Stay fluid. Stay loose.